bad news. Say that again. I've got good news and bad news. Who wants the good news first? Who wants the bad news first? It's interesting, that isn't it? It's interesting depending on who you are and what sort of person you are. I think the order you want the good news or the bad news says a lot about your personality, your outlook on life. By the way, if you came in and didn't get a copy of our notes, please put your hand up. Someone will bring a copy of our notes. If you need a pen this morning because we're going to be doing some drawing. I think that optimists want to hear the good news first. Because an optimist wants to hear the good news. Once they've got the good news under their belt, well, then they can deal with whatever the bad news is. Sensible people like me want to hear the bad news first. Because once you've got the bad news grounded in, then the the good news will make it seem a little bit better. Pessimists want the bad news first. They're going to ignore the good news anyway. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark, through the good news of the Gospel of Mark. And in Mark 1.15, we read each week those words of Jesus. saying, does not like me again today. That's the bad news. Hey, here we go. All right, Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, which we must have skipped over in the the kids' time. I don't know how that happened. In all the trouble with the donkey, I'm not surprised. Mark 1, 15, let's read together what Jesus said. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news, Jesus says, from his very first words in the Gospel of Mark, he has a message for us. And if you've got a pen there, you might like to draw a picture to help you remember what Jesus is talking about. Let me just adjust some things here. Sorry, saxophone player, here we go. All right. So Jesus says, first of all, that the time has come. So we draw a clock in the middle of our page. The time's up. Time's up is 12 o'clock. You know, the best time, of course, is 6.30. Hands down. All right. Someone got that? Good. But time's up, Jesus says. Time has come. Whatever we've been waiting for, Jesus says, it's over. Now it's here. The kingdom of God. So we draw a crown. The kingdom of God has come near. And Jesus is very clear about this. The kingdom of God has come close to us. It's here on the earth with us, near us close enough that we can reach out and grab it. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And then Jesus gives us two instructions, two things that we should do. He tells us to repent, to turn around and go the other way, to give up our sinful ways, to go God's way. So we have an arrow pointing back towards God. We were going this way and Jesus says, stop going that way, come back towards God. That's instruction number one. Instruction number two, he says, is believe. Reach out and grab hold of the kingdom of God. And so I've got a a fist, a hand reaching out to grab, a hand that's grabbed hold of the kingdom of God and isn't going to let go. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Grab hold of this kingdom. Grab hold of this kingdom and be a part of it. And Jesus says, this is the good news. Repent and believe the good news. And Mark 10.45 has been our other touchstone verse through these times. 
does not like me. I will just wave at you, Leah. Jesus said, let's read together. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus sums up his ministry of this kingdom of God by by discussing, by talking about himself as a ransom, one who has come to pay the price, one who has come to give his life in service for his people, one who has come to die on the cross for you and me. This is the good news of Jesus. Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. The point of the gospel message is hammered home. Jesus has come to give his life as a ransom, to pay the price, to set people free. And most of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, focus on this last week of Jesus' earthly life, of what he did in those weeks, the things he, that week, the things he said over these days. And so at this time of year, I encourage you to get your Bible out Start Mark chapter 11 or Luke chapter 19 and work your way through day by day and see what happened and when. Here in this holy week, I've got some good news and then some bad news and then some more good news. First of all, the good news is the Saviour has come. Messiah is here. The Saviour has come to rescue us. As Jesus entered Jerusalem with the pilgrims at Passover time, climbing the big hill from the Jordan Valley, singing the traditional songs, the songs of ascent, Psalm 118, which we've heard this morning already. He sends for a donkey. He enacts a scene from prophecy, a scene that the people would have known so well. The promised Messiah, the promised Saviour, will come into the city on a peaceful donkey, not a war horse, coming as a king of peace, not a conquering warrior. And so the people begin to cheer, wave their branches and rejoice. Here comes the king. Here comes the Messiah. Hosanna, they shout out. Save us. Rescue us. Welcoming the Messiah. And shouting all the praise, the phrases from the pilgrim songs about the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Good news. The Messiah is here. But there's bad news. Or at least it seems like bad news because he's not the Messiah we wanted. He's not the Messiah the Jewish people of the first century wanted and so often he's not the saviour that people in the 21st century want either. In those days they wanted Jesus to come and rescue them from the Romans, from oppression, from war, from violence. They wanted Jesus to come and rescue them from disease and illness and death. They wanted Jesus to come and rescue them from poverty, from being poor. They wanted to be wealthy again. They wanted to be in a golden kingdom that ruled the world. The same in our world. There are things that we think we need saving from. Serious problems and less serious ones. We want Jesus to come and save us from war. We want Jesus just to parachute down into Moscow and give President Pudding a good slap. We want him to knock on the door of the White House and give President Biden a kick up the pants. We want him to poke Boris Johnson in the eyes or whoever it is you don't particularly like, we want Jesus to come and save us from that person. We want Jesus to come and save us from pandemics. 
from diseases, from having to wear masks and get shots and all those things. We want him to come and fix all that. The problems of politics and economics and ecological problems. It's raining too much. It's not raining enough. We want Jesus to come and save us from these issues. You name it. But Jesus isn't here to save us from those problems specifically. And that seems like bad news. As Jesus says of himself in Mark 10.45, he's come not to be served. The Jewish people were looking for a Messiah who was willing to be served. They wanted to put him on a throne and they wanted to serve him. But Jesus says, I haven't come to be served. I've come to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And the Jewish people didn't want that. They didn't want their king to die. They wanted him to sit on a throne and rule over an empire. So often we want the same. We want Jesus to come and fix everything the way I want it to be fixed. But that's not why Jesus has come. He's come to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's good news. The good news is that the Saviour, the Messiah, is the one we need. He might not be the one we wanted, but he's the one we need because he's come to deal with the actual problem that confronts us. The real problem that confronts us is sin and death. In Romans chapter 6, 23, Paul writes this, For the wages of sin is death. All the other things in the world, war and pandemics and politics and all poverty and disease and illness, all these things that are at work in the world today are there because of sin leading to death. Human selfishness, people choosing their own way rather than God's way. This is what brings death and destruction, disease and illness and poverty and oppression and all the other things you could name. And Paul in the book of Romans plays the blame on one man and one man alone, on Adam, the first man. Paul writes, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all people sinned. Paul says that death is in the world because of sin and sin is all the fault of Adam and we're all descended from Adam. So we're all sinners on our way to death. And if you think about it, because people die, they become selfish. Because people know they're not going to live forever, they're out for what they can get here and now as quickly as possible. If there wasn't death in the world, we'd have a lot fewer problems. If people lived God's way instead of their own way, And so the wages of sin are death, Paul tells us, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death we focus on so often, but we forget that the gift of God is eternal life. Paul is uh, comparing two different ideas here of wages. Wages is what you get for what you work for. You work for it, you get your wages. But Paul says here it's a gift gift of God is eternal life. Not something to be worked towards or something to be achieved, but something to receive as a gift from God. And this is good news. The gift of God is eternal life. We don't have to worry about sin. We don't have to worry about death. Jesus has come and dealt with it all. 
bad news is some people choose to ignore the good news. They keep on living their own way. They reject what Jesus has done for them on the cross. They reject his message of repentance and faith and they carry on the way they're carrying on. We look look around the world today and we see the consequences of human sin. People choose to ignore the good news and they have to deal with the consequences of that. We read that this morning as Jesus wept over Jerusalem. As the children read for us this morning from Luke chapter 19, and part of this triumphal procession amongst this massive crowd of people cheering Jesus and crying out, Save us, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus burst into tears as he looks over the city. He wept over it and said, If you, talking to the city, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And a verse I didn't have the children read. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming for you. Jesus is, of course, talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. The city was destroyed in the year 70. So within a few decades of Jesus saying these words, the Romans surround the city, lay siege to it, butcher everybody they can find inside, and destroy the whole place. And Jesus said it didn't have to be this way. If you had recognized what was going on around you, if you'd seen that Jesus is the one who comes to bring peace, comes to deal with sin, comes to to deal with death, you wouldn't have to go through these consequences. God comes close to each and every one of us. He visits with us and he calls each and every one of us to respond or to ignore him. The bad news is that there are consequences for ignoring Jesus. The good news is we have a choice. We have a choice. We don't have to ignore Jesus. We can choose to do what he says. We can choose to follow his simple pathway of repentance and faith, trusting in him to deal with our sin. As we read those words of Jesus this morning from Luke chapter 13. Again, Jesus talking about Jerusalem, talking about his beloved city, the place that his people love, and saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. God has been sending messengers to these people for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They've been ignoring them, turning away. Jesus says, How often I have longed to gather your children together as the hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. You were not willing. Through Jesus, God is saying to you and to me and to everyone else in the world, I want to... I want to enfold you. I want to bring you close. I want to keep you dry and warm and safe as a hen gathers her chicks. And you can choose to go with God or you can choose to endure the weather by yourself. We can choose to repent and believe. Jesus calls us to gather close, to come close to God, to come be a part of his kingdom, to gather under his wings, be a part of his family, 
How do we do that? By repenting and believing. Time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news is that those who give up their sin, those who repent and turn back to the way the Lord says to do things, those who trust in what Jesus has done for them on the cross, will have life and life everlasting. It's the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. All we have to do open our heart and ask him in. So this song this morning says, Swing wide the door of your heart to the King of Kings. Bid him welcome the wonderful peace he brings. He will shelter you under his outstretched wings. Swing wide the door of your heart to the King of Kings. And so this morning as we sing this song, if you don't know Jesus in a real and personal way, if you don't know what it is to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Take the opportunity as we sing this morning to imagine your heart opening. Imagine your life opening and Jesus coming and being a part of your world. Invite him to come and be a part of your life, to be your Lord. Follow his way. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who can hear my voice, who does not know you as their Lord and Saviour, who has not yet repented and believed, that you would come now by your Holy Spirit and light a fire in their heart. You would place an urging in them to know you better, to know you in a real and meaningful way. Father God, I pray that you would give those people the courage to speak out, to reach out to you, to ask for help, to ask for guidance, to repent and believe. Father God, for those of us who do know you, who are following you, help us not to trust in our own works, but to trust in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Father God, we believe that your kingdom is so close that we can reach out and grab it. Father God, help us. Help us to reach out for your kingdom, to live the way that Jesus wants us to live, to live holy and righteous lives, to be blameless and pure in his sight. Father God, we thank you for Jesus and who he is and what he has done. We acknowledge him this morning as the great, high, holy king through whom we pray. Amen. Amen.